Father, we have come to give you glory and honor and praise because you are worthy. And through Jesus Christ, your son, you have included us. You have brought us all the way home to fellowship with you. Come now, incarnate, enfleshed word, Jesus. Gird on your mighty sword. Our prayer attend. Bless your people in the preaching of your word, Lord Jesus. We love you. Glorify your name now. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. As we are standing in reverence for the Lord Jesus, who is in our midst as we worship him, I invite you to stand, if you are able, a few more moments as we attend to the reading of his gospel from the gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory the glory of the only son from the father full of grace and truth John bore witness about him and cried out this was he of whom I said he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me and from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him 
known. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. And so we say, thanks be to God. You may be seated. As many of you have heard uh, in our Sunday morning gatherings and also at camp, uh, you know that our family has done an unusual amount of tent camping this summer. Uh, I won't bore you with the stories that you've already heard. I told some stories at camp that were really good ones. Maybe if you weren't at camp, you might ask somebody who was about uh, the fact that we ended our trip out west with two different tents than we began it, but that's a different story. We've been doing a lot of tent camping, and the thing about tent camping is that when you are in a tent, there's two things about it. You are basically as close to nature as you can possibly get. I mean, without just like lying on a rock under the stars. Uh, When you're in a tent, you are as close as you possibly can be with the little beasties and the elements and everything that there is. I mean, you're right there. Because you're right there, the, the second thing follows. You are vulnerable to the elements and the beasties. Um, so a week ago Thursday, uh, Matt and Josh and a couple of friends and I uh, met up with some other guys, and we did uh, a short camp out up in Wisconsin near, near the Dells at the state park uh, up there. And we were setting up our camp, and as we you know, got everything out from the bigger tent that the boys were going to be in, and it quickly became obvious that we were in trouble because there were two small yet essential pieces for the successful construction of the tent. Uh, We were missing two T-shaped heavy plastic uh, cogs into which uh, the metal bars of the tent, the metal poles, would go into to make it actually taut and weather-resistant and livable. So, what are we going to do? So, my sons rigged in their brilliance, and it was great, uh, they rigged up a system where they had uh, uh, lines and ropes and bungees, and they used the, 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 the trees that were accompanying our campsite, and they rigged, up it, they rigged it up, and it was actually tall, they could stand in it, and it was livable. It wasn't taut, it wasn't tight, but it was livable, and that was excellent. Until 1 a.m. on Friday. Because at 1 a.m. on Friday... The thunder and lightning that we had heard and seen in the distance encroached upon us to the extent that at one o'clock it began raining and it rained, it poured for three hours. And we got four inches of water in three hours. It was the remnants of Hurricane Barry. Somehow missed us here, but circled all the way around to the Dells up in Wisconsin. And I threw the roar of the rain. It was so loud, I could hardly hear the yelling coming from the tent that the boys were in 10 feet away. It was just 
gosh, it was crashing down, and there's lightning flashing, and there's rumbles of thunder, and there's the, and there's the, the roar of the rain. And I looked out of the fly of my tent. Jonathan and I were safe. We were dry. It was awesome. And I look out, and, and I started cracking up laughing because this is what I saw. I saw a tent in which every one of them had either a headlamp or a flashlight. And so there's lights <laughs> like this flashing. And every second, you'd get a silhouette shot of, of one of them on the wall. They're, they're on the inside. And they're going like this. <laughs> they're jumping to get the puddles of water out of the ceiling of the tent because it wasn't tight. We didn't have the right things. And so it was basically a bowl. <laughs> and every 10 seconds, the bowl would fill with water. And it was so saturated that, the, that it was dripping from the ceiling of the tent and everything inside was getting wet. And they're, they're, they're jumping and pushing the, the water out and it's splashing to the side and there's lightning works inside the tent with all of their lights. And I'm watching, and I'm crying, because I'm laughing so hard. I mean, what else are you going to do? It went on for three hours. Nobody slept. We were totally swamped. At one point in time, Josh got out of the tent. He had his rain gear on, and he ran to go get something, and he came back. And as he came back, he flashed his light on my tent, and he saw, <laughs> and he came right up to me, <laughs> I mean, this close on the outside of the tent, and he's dying laughing as the, the, the lightning and thunder. It was, it was really a remarkable scene. When you are in a tent, you are vulnerable. We are reminded when we're in a tent that we are only human and that there's so many things that are bigger than us that impact our lives. Usually, we live with the self-delusion of control. But when you're in a tent, and when Hurricane Barry is dumping four inches in three hours, you have no control. And the word became flesh and tented among us. In this prologue of John, these 18 verses, we're not going to take the whole gospel this slow, and you're like, oh, that's good because we'll be here for 10 years. <laughs> but we wanted to break up these 18 verses of this prologue because the prologue of the gospel of John has, is packed with rich and deep and amazing truth about who Jesus is. And we saw in the first five verses of the prologue that Jesus is God, and Jesus is life, and Jesus is light. And last Sunday, Pastor Isaiah, he, he preached a sermon to us that reminded us that um, we, we both have been nerdy with our Greek. I won't, I won't really share any more Greek with you. I won't say any Greek words except the one, egeneto, which Pastor Isaiah taught, about us, uh, taught to us last week. And that is, it, it's sometimes translated was or to become. And it means that God is doing a new thing in Jesus that God is doing a new thing as he is coming to inhabit our flesh. He's coming on a rescue mission that will give us 
forgiveness, and life. Today, we come to probably, perhaps, the best-known verse and really the pinnacle of this prologue. And the Word became flesh, verse 14, and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the only Son of God, full of grace and truth. Just for a few minutes, let's dive in to primarily that one verse. The Word was made flesh. We already know about the Word. Uh, two weeks ago, preached on the Word. But when you see the word, that Word, we see that it means the eternal God, God Almighty, God who creates, God who saves, God who fills with life, God who adopts us as his children. That God, that creating God, became a genito. The eternal, unchanging, creating word now exists in this stuff. Touch your hand or your fist. This is flesh. God wrapped himself in this frail stuff. In this stuff that can be cut and bleed. In this stuff that ages and there's spots and wrinkles. In this stuff that will decay. This tent of flesh which declares that we are not in control. Jesus, the Word of God, the Word who was with God, the Word who is God, He didn't stop being God. He became flesh as He is God. The, this verse says that the Word became this flesh. He took on our flesh. And then it gives us a picture, and dwelt among us, and dwelt among us. Literally, that means tabernacled, or pitched his tent among us. Uh, before I explain that, do you see the grace here? You don't. Do you? You see it? What this verse is saying is that the eternal God desires to be known by his people. And so in the greatest expression of his communication, he becomes a man so that we can see him, so that we can know him, so that we can hear his voice, so that we can see what the Father is like. John says, this word, Almighty God, became flesh, this frail stuff, and made his dwelling among us, tabernacled. What do you know about the tabernacle? The tabernacle was the first meeting place for God with his people. Well, the garden was, but after the fall, the first meeting place, official meeting place, God said to Moses, gave Moses instructions, and he said, hey, here's the deal. I want to meet with you. Grace. 
So here's how this is going to work. You build this tabernacle according to these specifications, and I will come and I will meet with you. Because you're my people, and I am your God, and I will be God to you, and you will be my people. That's the story of Scripture. It's a story of relationship, of grace. So the tabernacle. So it was a tent. It was called the tent of meeting. And then the tabernacle eventually is replaced by the temple. And the temple was still the place where God would come and meet with his people. God desires to meet with you and me. But now what John is declaring, agenito, the word agenito, a new thing, the word has become flesh. And that flesh is his tent among us. He's tenting right next to you, Dan. He's tenting right next to me. He's tenting right next to you. And he shared our flesh, this tent, this frail, vulnerable stuff. And he's here. And so now you want to meet with God? You don't go to a temple. You go to Jesus. You want to see God? You see Jesus. You want to talk to God? You talk to Jesus. And Jesus shows up. Jesus is with us. And so this word that becomes flesh and tabernacles among us, don't, don't miss it. Jesus is now the only place where we can meet with God. He's the tabernacle. He's the temple. And we now, John continues, have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son of God. Uh, when you think about the word glory, what do you think of? Okay, praise. What, what else do you think of? What? Life. Light. 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 Glorious. Okay, what else do you think of? Yes. Ultimate good. Ultimate good. Good. That's good. What else? Beauty. What else? Power. Holy. What else? Purity. Good. What else? Peace. You guys are awesome. This is great. Uh, when I think about glory... Maybe you think, I think about the sun setting into Lake Erie while eating the ice cream cone from Sarah's. I think about, I think about vistas in Glacier National Park. I think, about, uh, I think about things that are all of these things, peace and power and glory and light and life. Beautiful things. When John says, and we have seen his glory... The glory of the word made flesh who tabernacled among us. What does he mean? Later in the gospel, Jesus in John 17, the high priestly prayer, he's going to talk about glory. He's going to talk about the glory that he shared with the Father before the earth began, before they made the earth together. Uh, they're going to talk about that, that radiance of the glory of heaven. But right here in this prologue, what does John mean by glory? The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. What is he talking about? We want to glory in 
big things, powerful things, awesome things. But I'm convinced that the glory that John and the other followers of Jesus actually see with their own eyes, and that's the meaning of this word, to see, to see with our own eyes, the glory that they see is the flesh of Jesus. That is what is truly glorious. You might be saying, okay, so what? Well, because here's the thing. So often, we want to see the big and powerful stuff. We want to see Jesus come in your, come in your glory, right? And when we say that, we mean, Come with your angels, come with your light, come with your power, come and make the world right. Sick of this, like do something, right? And yet John is very careful here to, to, to tell us that the glory that he saw was the glorious mystery of God condescending, coming all the way down to put this stuff on himself and to Show us who God is. To reveal, verse 18, who God is to us. In weakness, in vulnerability, in flesh. You know what this means? It means that God is concerned not only about our soul, but he's concerned about stuff. He's matter matters to God. Jesus wrapped in flesh, why? To share our condition. So that he could suffer. So that he could bleed. So that he could die in the frailty of this flesh. And we know the end of the story. And to raise it up. And to make us new. That's glory. Don't miss it. His flesh is glorious. Not only is his flesh glorious, but in his flesh, in his person, in Jesus, we see something we don't see anywhere else, and that's grace and truth. Grace and truth. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only Son of God, full of grace and truth. To see the glory of God in flesh is to come into contact with grace and truth. Do you know that we need grace and truth? We do. Do you know that Jesus is the only person who can hold those two things together perfectly? You ever thought about that? Okay. If you give only grace, what do you create in your child or grandchild? Only grace. Only grace, 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 grace. Only grace. What do you create? A monster. a monster. That's exactly right. That was, the, that was the top answer in the first service too. Ding, 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 ding. It's up on the board. <laughs> we just laughed in the family feud. Sorry. You create a monster. Oh, it's okay. 
That's okay. Oh, don't worry about it. We'll get a new lamp. Oh, don't worry about it. I'll get you a new car. Oh, don't worry. I'll get you another new car. Don't worry about it. What do you create? If we only give grace, we create lawless, chaotic children who think that they are entitled to the world, don't we? Go the other way. What if it's only truth? What do you create in your child? If it's only truth, perfectionism. If we give only truth, we create perfectionistic, and I would declare to you, once they grow up, resentful and bitter people who think they can never do anything right. Churches can be like this, can't they? Remember, there's grace on the one hand, and that leads to license, it leads to entitlement, and then law is on the other side, and that leads to legalism and bitterness and resentfulness. If we only give grace, then people might think that the gospel means that we can do anything we want. Go sin boldly, so grace can abound. It's okay, no rules, you're good. On the other hand, if we only give truth, then people may think that the gospel means that we must follow rules to be accepted by God, and that's not the gospel. The word became flesh. God came to us and tabernacled among us, and we've seen glory in that, and the glory is full of grace and Truth. What does Jesus say to the woman who's about to be stoned? We're going to read about this in a couple of, uh, a couple of weeks, maybe a month or two, John 8. Maybe a year from now, John 8. <laughs> it's all good, don't worry. We're going to get through it together, it's awesome. It's a great gospel. What does he say to her? That's right, that's what he says to the crowd. With, Let him who is without sin throw the first stone. Then the, I love that passage. The older ones are the ones first who know their humanity, know their truth. Pfft, it's not me. And then she says, where have they gone? Or he, and Jesus asked her, where have they gone? Does no one condemn you? And she says, no one, sir. And he says, nor do I condemn you. Go and don't sin again. Okay, nor do I condemn you. That's grace. I'm not going to treat you in accordance with what you deserve. I'm going to love you. I'm going to accept you as my daughter. That's grace. And live like that. Live like my daughter who is accepted and honored by me. Go and sin no more. What difference would it make in your life if you thought about dealing with relationships, trying to hold grace and truth together? Can you think of a person in your circle who would benefit from you coming to them with graceful truth 
and truth that's full of grace. What about in our national discourse, which is toxic to the core? What difference would it make for you in the things that you can control in your life, or at least think that you can, if you thought about issues with grace and truth? Truth and grace. I would submit to us that if we did that more, we would be less susceptible to the loudest voices around us. And we would be on Jesus' agenda, not anybody else's. The word became flesh and tented among us, just like us. And we've seen his glory, glory, as of the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. Then uh, we have this little uh, parens in verse 15. John bore witness about him and cried out, uh, this was he of whom I said, this is what John says about Jesus, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. So John, we're gonna see this in a couple chapters, but John basically says, Jesus is greater. I'm not. I'm not that. I'm going to decrease. I'm going to get out of the way. Jesus is is greater. And then John continues. And from his fullness, this fullness of glory and grace and truth that we see, that we experience, we have all received grace upon grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. Uh, Technically, that says grace in place of grace. In place of grace. God's grace never runs out. God's grace is always sufficient. God's grace is always more than we expect it to be. God's grace is inexhaustible, and it is for you. Just really quickly here. I know we're getting a little, little tired. I just want to explain verse 17. Because it's weird. So, so we're talking about grace, we're talking about truth, we're talking about glory, and all of a sudden John says, for the law was given through Moses. What's up with that? And then he goes back. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We're going to see all the way through the gospel that John is, is giving us Jesus as greater than Moses, as greater than the tabernacle, as greater than the temple, as greater than uh, the ceremonies of the Jewish religion. We're going to see that all the way through. But right here in this context, he's talking about grace and truth. And he's talking about that God has given grace again and again and again. So just really quick and then I'm done. What was the purpose of Moses and the law? Everybody just stretch for a second. What was the purpose of Moses and the law? What was the purpose of the law? Okay, it was obedience. Okay, so the law were the rules that God gave to Moses so that it was a means. It was a means to an end. And the end or the purpose of the law was... To show us we need Jesus, and in the Old Testament, the end was so that God could be with his people and his people could be with him. 
And ultimately, that's fulfilled in Jesus. That's exactly what John is talking about. So you see this. The law wasn't just like, follow these rules. The law was, here's how I want you to live because you're my people, because I've delivered you, and I want you to know me. I want you to come to the tabernacle and worship me. I want you to see me, so here's how I want you to live. Here's how I want you to order yourself, so that that relationship can happen. So it could be argued that the, that the end of the law, the purpose of the law, was for a grace-filled relationship between God and his people. That's grace. The law came through Moses. That's grace. And grace and truth comes to us through Jesus. Now Jesus has come. And he's replaced all of those things. Jesus has come. He's replaced the law. He's fulfilled it. Jesus has come. He's fulfilled the temple. Jesus has come. He's fulfilled the tabernacle. Jesus has come. And now we see him. We know him. And when we see Jesus, we see God. For he reveals the Father to us. Grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. Never runs out. The amazing thing about the prologue of the Gospel of John is this. Here, we see revealed most clearly that the God who spun the planets with a word is the God who's come all the way close to us in the flesh to redeem us, to love us, to speak in a way that we can hear him so that we might be with him. Praise him. Let's pray. Lord, we we thank you that through John, you have given us this amazing passage of scripture. Lord, when we think about the incarnation or or, or Jesus becoming flesh, Lord, those are high and lofty things and we don't think about it all the time, but God, it displays your grace to us. It displays that you You are intimately involved in our humanity. You care about every facet of our lives. And you have come that we might know you. Even more than that, that we might be partakers of grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Your love never fails. It never gives up. Never runs out on me or on any who are in Christ through faith. God, we praise you for this grace, this marvelous, matchless grace, this costly grace. Lord, it's not an easy thing. Help us never think that the incarnation of Jesus was an easy thing. It cost him his life. And now he is forever Wrapped in flesh, now risen, and yet still in flesh. Eternal Son of God. God, how can, that, how can that be? It is because of his love for us. It is because of his identification with us. 
Father, help us to remember in our interactions that Jesus is with us. Help us to bear with people in grace and truth. Help us, Lord. Lord, we love you and we praise you for your glorious gospel. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.